Word Together, dedicated to being transformed by the renewing of our minds. We do episodes about cultures, ideologies, church history, doctrine, testimonies, and more. So check us out on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, or the Minnesota Grace Church app and website. And make sure that you subscribe so you can receive notifications when we post a new episode. And make sure to follow us on Instagram at She's Becoming Podcast. Well, I am your co-host, Delaney, and I am here in the studio with my co-host, Bev. It is Christmas time. It is. And especially with the snow, I kind of wanted to start baking cookies. I admit it. Are you like a big Christmas person? Um, There's a lot I love about Christmas. Mm -hmm. um, But over the years, there was a lot I hated about Christmas that I had to sift out of my life. Mm -hmm. And especially when I had three young kids, I had to make some choices on um, to try to keep the beast under control. Yeah. You know, and... um, but yeah, what are some things that some of your favorite things, Delaney? About Christmas? Yeah. Um, I really like Christmas more now that I have Jax. Why is that? To be honest. Um, I think as I got older, I mean, Christmas was fine. I didn't like hate Christmas or anything, but now it's just like he's so excited about Christmas and he talks about it and he's um he can't wait. Like he'll count down the days and we we, we don't really do Santa. I, I I can't even remember about Santa enough to, like, keep it going, honestly. I'm always just like, what do you have for Christmas? Um, but, like, I really have to, like, put thought into how to make it magical for him because I'm just – it's I'm not really good at that, and he really wants magical Christmas. Yeah. Like, where everything smells good and, like, everything feels great, and there's Christmas music, and, yeah. So I think that's my favorite part is just seeing, like – through the eyes of a child. How much he loves it. What's your favorite? Oh, well, uh, quite a few things. I love Christmas music. I really do. I'm. A lot of people have this hard rule, you know, not till after Thanksgiving. But I, yeah. I listen to Handel's Messiah all year long. Um, I just love Christmas music. So that really kind of sets the mood for me. I love to put it on loud and bake. Love baking. I love having people in our home. I mm-hmm. love baking with our grandchildren. Yeah. I've got some fun traditions going with that. Uh, one year I s- said to our uh, grandson, I said, you can eat all the cookie dough you want. Wow. And he said he was ready to throw up. He yeah. ate so much, and now he can't hardly take cookie <sighs> dough. So, you know, there's a grandma for you. But anyway, that's fun. And I actually don't mind buying gifts. I um I enjoy picking out something special for people. Uh, however, I always find I want to be more generous than my budget really should allow. So have to kind of put myself on a budget. And yeah. I remember limiting, we, we limited our kids to three gifts. and But wow. then I would put stuff in their stocking because that wasn't part of the three. That didn't count. That didn't count. I tell you, I cheated too. against my own philosophy <laughs> and rules. It's ridiculous. Um and then Christmas cards. I don't like doing Christmas cards. Like the pictures or the sending? Uh, the whole thing. Yeah. I could do without that, but Paul loves it. He's a picture guy. Yeah. I mean, we've got boxes and boxes of pictures. So that's really, I mean, I'll do it. I'll get it all bought and online, and then I give him the boxes. And yeah. then here you go, honey. My mom loves receiving them, but we never send them. Yeah. Like she likes Where would you her- start your list and end your list? For what? To who to send to? I mean, oh. being the pastor of a church, I mean, that just, it gets complicated. Yeah, I, I have no idea. I wouldn't even want to try to figure that out. But she loves getting them because she hangs them all up. And I don't love that because she it's it's her little cute thing, though, so it's fine. But she hangs them all over a doorway, and I'm always like, why? But it's oh, fine. Sure, it's sure, cute. Sure. It's I know thing. some she people that it. take those cards and 
put them in a basket, and at, at dinner at night they pray for oh, us, see, that's several more of them. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, any of these fun little things, you can make it more spiritual if you yeah. give it some thought. Yeah. But today, uh, I think we kind of want to have a different approach, don't we? Yeah, yeah. Um, we're obviously talking about Christmas in this episode, but we wanted to ask you a question. Just starting out here, have you ever stopped to ask the question, "Am I authentically celebrating Christmas?" What would authentic celebration look like? And where can we find what defines authentic Christmas celebration? I mean, we could look to our current American society. However, to look at this sure. would be misleading because yeah. um, our society has really recast Christmas into its own image. An outsider looking in would most likely define America's Christmas celebration as bloated consumerism. Ugh, understatement, huh? Uh, bloated appetites and bloated stress from extreme business. I think the stress, too, it, that, that's that's the key here, too. I think people in culture think like the holidays are like some of the most stressful time. And I can see where they're coming from, but I think celebrating authentically will help kind of combat some of that. Um, And our society sadly also gives the message that you must be happy at Christmas. And when so many are hurting really deeply. And so sometimes we can be putting on that charade, like, Oh, we're fine. We're happy when really we're struggling. And we have removed Christ from the celebration altogether, and that leaves nothing but an empty celebration. Like, what are we really celebrating if not Christ? Exactly. And that is exactly how many feel um, after Christmas. And authentic celebration, by contrast, can fill us and our families with gifts that last forever. There's really an eternal significance, and there's a deep meaning. Yes, Um, and it's meant to reinforce our faith. Yeah. You know, but if you have no faith, Mm -hmm. and you just go through the motions of this ridiculous birthday party for this person you don't know or love— it's it's meaningless, right? Well, I think culture too has made Christmas um it's just about family, which I'm like, okay, we can sift some truth in that. Like it's important to love your family and be around your family. Absolutely. But family is the ultimate purpose of holiday. Yes. Which I'm also like can't but aren't you with your family any t- I don't know. I feel like there's only so far that that can go and it's almost like uh, worship of family, like, oh, we're all together. Like, this is the true meaning of Christmas. And you, you just set yourself up for failure mm-hmm. because uh, that gathering of the family can be some of the most tense Stressful. moments all year. Totally. <laughs> yeah. So it, it has to be about more than that. Yeah, totally. And I I think we should start to look into history and see how we came to celebrate Christmas the way that we do. Yeah. Um, Interesting. What was the exact date of Jesus's birth? Was it December 25th? Year one? I've often wondered that. Did he really, was he really (laughs) born on December 25th? Um, Some over the centuries have speculated, but God chose not to give us the exact day and time. Many put his birth actually around 4 BC. And if we are not sure of the day, um, how did December 25th come about? Like some of the other holidays we celebrate, like maybe you celebrate Halloween or um, this was actually the time of a pagan holiday um, that the early church sought to transform by focusing in on the incarnation Christ's birth. Right. So some church traditions say January 6th, some which is orthodox, uh, orthodox mm-hmm. teachings. Yep. Um, gift giving, the three gifts brought to Jesus, also the pagan celebration, Saturnalia, hopefully I'm saying that right, gave gifts and um, common in celebrations was gift giving and Christmas trees. Some see have Germanic roots. Others, again, point into the primitive Roman celebration with right. worship trees and brought them into their home and decorated them. Not sure then how they got 
to our Christmas now. Seems like these have a lot of different roots. They Santa do. Claus, I think that's probably one of the biggest ones. Um, represents Saint Nicholas, a bishop in Turkey from the fourth century, who is generous and helping needy children. Um, and then it evolved. The whole legend of whatever of Santa evolved yeah. over the years. It got bigger and bigger. Yeah, and then in the 18th century, we have the modern Santa, the modern Santa that um, is basically a magical like wizard who can just make things come true like if you've looked at any christmas movie santa's supernatural yeah yeah how, how do you feel about santa i am i i don't not like santa i don't personally do santa with jacks just because my personality is very like if you're I, I just am not one to perpetuate the magic of Santa, but I think that's just my personality. I'm more like, no, he's not real, but don't tell other kids that he's not real. Like, but other people aren't like that. And I respect that. I don't think that there's a, a you have to do it this way necessarily. I think as long as Santa doesn't become the focus, you know, if you're, if the focus isn't on Christ, that's where I'm like, all right, we, you, the line needs to be drawn. Yeah, we got to, got to bring it back. I, <clears throat> and I think you can tell kids that Santa was a real person. Yes. Yeah. A real person who helped young children and was a godly man. And this is what he did. And so we celebrate him mm-hmm. in his honor at Christmas, that he is still the one that brings gifts to children. And, um, you know, you can, you can bring it in that right. way or, or, you know, I remember my, our kids were not that old, but they saw through it. Yeah. You know, yeah. and then there's other kids who want to believe so badly. Oh, I've I, got a grandchild that, yeah. you know, it's he's so 10. Yeah. He wants to believe so badly, but I see it in his eyes like, he knows. He knows. Okay, but the cutest little thing ever, Jax actually, because I've never really even talked about Santa. I honestly forget about him, honestly. Like, I don't even think to talk about it, but he asked me, I think it was last year, he said, Mom, can we pretend that Santa's real? And I said, sure. It was so precious. So precious. I said, we can pretend. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So cute. So sometimes I pretend. Um, but the history of Christmas traditions is interesting, but again, like, do they represent authentic Christmas celebration? Yeah. I, you know what? Uh, let's go to another place to look. So those are the traditions. Um, another place we can look, though, and where we should really be looking for mm-hmm. how we celebrate anything is to the Bible, of course, Amen. the Old and the New Testaments, and see if we can get some accurate picture, uh, an accurate picture of authentic celebration. We don't want the trimmings, the false stuff. We want to see how does God ask his people to celebrate these great events in life. So I want to have some principles when I look at the Bible always to guide me. So we're going to look for some principles here as we look at the Old Testament and the New Testament for how we can be celebrating what does godly celebration look like and how would that affect our Christmas, keeping Christ in our celebrations. Um, so often we can we can get overwhelmed with mm-hmm. all of these um, ideas around Christmas rather than to have some clarity. So whenever I'm yeah. overwhelmed, it's, it's amazing. Scripture gives me clarity. No, seriously, I have I have a neighbor and she's not a Christ follower and they're like big Christmas people and she does um, Elf on the Shelf for Christmas, but she's so, she's so elaborate with it and makes all these cool designs every day for a month that we were talking about it. And she said, she's like, it has been so stressful for me that this year I just didn't do it. And I was like, wow. Like, there's the empty. Yeah, there's the empty. Yeah. 
or, or the gal who bakes cookies, a different cookie every day for 30 days. Yeah. I'm like, it's cool if that's like your thing. If but you like, love it. If, yeah. But if it's like a stressful thing yeah, and you no, feel like you have eliminate. to. Eliminate. Like, Women, cut eliminate. It. Cut yeah. it. Cut it. All right. So let's look at the Old Testament first. There are seven feasts commanded by the Lord in the Old Testament. Israel was to celebrate each one on an annual basis. So he's not against celebration. Yeah. The religious calendar was meant to keep Israel in relationship with the Lord. And it, they were meant to remind them of what God has done on their behalf. See, are you kind of getting the picture yeah. as to what Christmas should be? Mm-hmm. These Old Testament festivals were also shadows of Christ, of the Messiah who would come. And then once Messiah came, Jesus Christ, the purpose of these festivals was fulfilled in him. Mm-hmm. So let's look at these uh, festivals and just look at little uh, indicators as to what our celebrations should look like, especially mm-hmm. our celebration of Christ's birth. Would they have considered these like holidays? I know they, yes. they probably didn't have that term at the time, but... No, but definitely, definitely. S- similar vibe. Very yeah. similar thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were, you know, this was part of their obedience unto the Lord was to celebrate these as well. I love that. Um, yeah, and a Jewish man was required three times a year to go to Jerusalem to celebrate three of the big holidays. So the, it was a, a definitely part of their life. Now, Passover is one we need to talk about and the unleavened bread. They co- they go together. Um, this is the history, of course, of the release of the Israelites from Egypt and how uh, God did all of these miracles and the plagues. And um, he, he had them take a lamb and bring it into the house and slaughter it and put blood on the lintel or the doorposts of their house. And the when the um, angel of death occurred in Egypt, where God took the life of all the firstborns, the people of God had that blood on their door, and that angel of death passed over them. So that's why it's called Passover. And hello, do you see the gospel there? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Christ's blood. Yeah. The lamb. The lamb applied to our lives. Yeah. Uh, God's judgment of death because of sin. That's the punishment to yeah, sin. Because that's what it, Egypt was doing. Right. Is passed over. Mm-hmm. And so, and then it also talks about the unleavened bread, talks about release from bondage. Mm. So this really pictures the crucifixion and which gives redemption. Um, First Peter talks about being redeemed by the precious blood of Christ, but it also talks about this unleavened bread, about sanctification. It's the Holy Spirit giving us power over sin um, to get rid of it. They would have to go through their homes and remove all the leaven from their house. Uh, the leaven is what corrupts, and so there's a picture of mm-hmm. sanctification. So yeah. all of these things were, uh, God had them acting out the truths about himself. And things that were like, a part of their home almost yes. like leaven was something that yeah. was probably in their home, you know, like right. in very practical ways that would have mm-hmm. been a part of their life, which is really interesting, isn't it? And then there was the festival of first fruits. It was a festival of Thanksgiving. Now we have Thanksgiving coming oh, up here go. in a week our first fruits. for the first fruits of the harvest with the expectation of faith that more harvest would come you know, from God. This really pictures Mm -hmm. the resurrection. Christ is risen from the dead. The first fruits Mm -hmm. um, was Christ of the resurrection and ours is to follow. Then there was the Feast of Weeks. And um, this is really Pentecost. It came seven weeks after Passover. And it it was another celebration uh, signifying the harvest again. And it was really a shadow of things coming, of things promised, which was the Holy Spirit. 
Pentecost is in Acts 2, where the Holy Spirit came and rested upon the believers. And then we know that uh, at Pentecost, we celebrate that because this is when the Spirit was given. And we have now, when we receive Christ, we receive that same Spirit. Then there was this Feast of the Trumpets, and this was early autumn. It was a solemn assembly, meant that there was be um, a very uh, quiet, low tone to the celebration. They were called um, to help them to prepare for the next festival, which was the Day of Atonement. Trumpets were blown. When Christ comes again, what's going to happen? Trumpets are going to be blown, Delaney. Yeah, so, Isn't that beautiful? So was this one then like a more somber holiday? Leading well, up, yes. The Feast of Trumpets was preparation for the next feast, which, which was, was the, the Day of Atonement. Which was the somber one. Yes. Somber and one. it was solemn assembly. Mm-hmm. It was for repentance. It was for forgiveness. In fact, an interesting note here, this is the only day that uh, God required his people to fast was on the Day mm-hmm. of Atonement. And believers in Christ are forgiven and not annually, but by a one-time event. Yeah, It's so beautiful. In Hebrews 9, it says, so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. And I just love that little phrase, once for all. Mm -hmm. We don't have to keep going back to slaughter the lamb. It's done. It's finished. Which is totally our real faith, real work study that we are freed. Yes, absolutely. From that part. But but the symbolism of that is so important and beautiful, isn't it? Mm-hmm. But this was meant to be celebrated, yeah, and we're meant absolutely. to celebrate it too. And yeah. then there was the feast of booths, and this is so interesting. Again, it was autumn. It was a thankfulness as the harvest ends. Again, it's symbolic of our Thanksgiving, and the thankfulness for the protection. Pro- for the provision that the people had when they were in the wilderness. Um, They would actually build little booths and live in them uh, to represent how God cared for them in the wilderness. And if you go through certain parts of the city at the time of the year when the Jewish community is celebrating this, you will see in their backyards little structures put together. Oh, like a little house? Like a little house connected to their house or even freestanding that would they would use and would go and have daily prayers and, and you know, time in their little house for the Feast of Booths. How long were they in these little houses? Um, you know, I'm not sure how many days it was. It's more than one day. So there, it was a little bit of time. Maybe. It was a little bit of time. I, I will have to look that up. That's a very good question. Um, Leviticus 23 describes the festivals in this way all of them together. It says, these are the Lord's appointed feasts and sacred assemblies. You are to proclaim at their appointed time. An interesting fact is that festivals reflect the timing of Christ's life. Whoa. Isn't it? All of them uh, come to fruition in Christ. The idea of having an early church calendar was God's idea. This certainly affirms a merit in regular yearly celebrations. So you don't have to completely nix Christmas or nix Thanksgiving as a Christian because we are to celebrate. We are to remember. Celebrations were symbols used to remind God's people of who God is and what he has done for them. Festivals were meant to wanted where the people could set aside their regular work and they were going to then be deliberate in their acknowledgement of God. They would assemble together to do this. Now, in fact, when I totaled up, this is so fascinating, I totaled up the um, number of days that they were to have festivals to the Lord where they were not to work. Right. And it was 17 in every year. Nice. So over two weeks 
off. Okay, good for them. Yep, good for them. And then when you add in the weekly Sabbaths of 52, you have a total of 69 days of no regular work in order, not just to vacation, in order to make time for their relationship with God. This is screaming rest to me. Yes. Like God put this in place to like for them to rest, but not rest as like a, I'm going to be a blob on the couch and watch TV. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Mm -hmm. But like a, I'm going to renew my, my, my relationship with the Lord during this day. Absolutely. And this is a big part of celebration. So what do we do? We burn ourselves out instead. So what elements can we pull out of these festivals that give us some principles for authentic celebration of Christ's birth today? Okay. So I'm going to give you three and then Delaney, I want you to give the last two here. Thanksgiving for daily provision and salvation's uh, provision through Christ. So we are to really celebrate that. Thanksgiving for the daily provision that he always provides. And then, of course, for salvation's provision that we have through Christ. Second principle is we are to assemble together with God's people. And I love it that Grace has a Thanksgiving service. Mm -hmm. They have a Christmas service. And that is the good and right thing is to gather with his people. Mm -hmm. And then third, setting aside time for those purposes Mm -hmm. of celebrating these uh, markers that God has given us and set aside the time for the right purposes that it isn't a Christmas devoid of of Christ or it isn't a Thanksgiving thanking the air. (laughs) You know, they're really of thanking God. Yeah, so there's lots of purpose in it. I honestly need that description that you gave of all of those feasts like in my Bible, because when we read the Old Testament, we read about all of these things. Right. But it's nice to have like a little summary of like, okay, this is what they would do. And this is what this means. And this is why and where this comes from. Oh, we could do a whole several podcasts on the those festivals. It's so rich. Mm-hmm. And if you just keep in your mind, they all point to Christ. It's powerful. That's a good filter to know how to celebrate any holiday. Exactly. Honestly. Or or it doesn't have to be a in a regular holiday. You can yeah. celebrate every Sunday should be a celebration. We're getting together with God's people. We're we're renewing our faith. We're maybe saying no to some activities so we can have a quiet day and a day to rest and to read and to meditate with the Lord and you know, that's that's a beautiful thing. It doesn't have to be Uh, just once a year. I mean, look how many days they set aside for this and we set aside so little for the Lord. So it's it's convicting. I love that. Well, two other illustrations of celebrations in the Old Testament. After crossing the Red Sea, um, there's dancing and there's singing and Miriam sings this song of worship, um, which is just a really beautiful picture of um, just all the things that God had provided for them and then they get to worship him in this moment and they're dancing there's another way to celebrate yeah that's a fun one and then um this is a picture yeah really of um three principles um there's this and then we get this negative illustration of worshiping the golden calf but um the second illustration of celebration is from esther um is it purim 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 i always have a hard time with that purim is a later festival um and this would be like from the day of feasting and joy and this day that they would give presents to each other. And, yeah, you know, they were celebrating that, that the Jews were scheduled to be ex, uh, to be killed. Right. And uh, Esther steps in and Mordecai and saves the people. And then this is when uh, Purim was 
uh, instituted. There's lots of like, okay, God saved us from dying. Now we're going to celebrate and make yeah. this a holiday. Yeah. Or a festival, maybe mm-hmm. they would call it, mm-hmm. which is really cool. But um, there were presents of food to one another, and they would send gifts to the poor. Um, and then this gives us a fourth principle, which is the joy of what God has done for us can be demonstrated by the sharing of food and gifts, which is totally what can happen in our homes at Christmas. Exactly. And so these are all things that God has ordained and that God mm-hmm. has approved of mm-hmm. to how to celebrate. Absolutely. Giving gifts, helping the poor, the needy. Mm-hmm. Um, and sharing food. Yeah, and it's it's it matches up with Christian principles that, yes, we get to enjoy the gifts that God has given us, but we also lay down our life in some way, too. Yes. Like, we help, yes. and it's not just, it's not about us, no. either. And because of gratitude, we want to do for others. Absolutely. Not out of compulsion, but just out of the overflow of our gratitude. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love that. Now, for the New Testament, we will yeah. see these same principles for celebration. We'll take a look at the events surrounding Christ's birth and two other brief examples. So Christ's birth, um, Mary's joy, even in a tough situation. She says, my spirit glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. Um, I mean, this is true joy. There's humility um, and and there's true biblical joy that is... um, really something that God has to produce in us. It's not a superficial, I'm just happy in this moment because I got something. I mean, this is deep, deep joy um, that is only from the Lord. And then we have the example of Elizabeth's baby, John the Baptist, and the baby left in her womb, which is one of my favorite passages. I know, I love that too. so sweet. And the presence of Christ on earth really demands a personal response. We see even in the womb, um, they recognized who Christ was. And so there's a really personal response for us um, in this as well. But And then we see the shepherds, some of the lowliest people just minding their own business, doing their jobs as shepherds. They're given the privilege to be the first to celebrate Christ's birth and angels appear the glory of the Lord shone around them and they're announcing you know the angels are announcing do not be afraid I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all peoples today in the town of David a savior has been born for you he is Christ the Lord this will be a sign to you you will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger and Christ came for all people and we are to share Christ with others and generally people are more open to hearing about Christ at Christmas I don't know if you find this is true but the bringing into our home and showing the traditions that we do in Christmas is such an easy way to share the gospel it is that's that's why these Christmas gatherings as well that Grace Church really supports mm-hmm. um, is just such a powerful tool well and some you know sometimes that's the only time people go to church all year and so the, even true. that's a great true. way to to like true share the gospel and connect with people true. and just love them. Well, but. we're we're having a couple over who's non-believers. Mm-hmm. Um and I'm going to make sure I have the house all decorated and just you know talk about Christmas a little bit and people are, are okay with that. And if that's kind yeah. of my you know entering kind of a little side door there into their hearts about who Christ is and why I want to celebrate. Well, I think there's like a unifying spirit kind of with Christmas, like whether people believe in Christ or not, they're open to it because it's Christmas and there's, there's a, there's a neutrality there. There is, which is really cool. Um, and then there's a great crowd of angels that appeared and they were praising God saying glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. Okay. That's seen right there. Come Mm -hmm. on. How awesome is that? I know that, that God would send this angelic army Mm -hmm. singing, praising God, celebrating Mm -hmm. to 
shepherds. Not to the religious leaders, by the way. Mm-hmm. I love this. This is like, it just shows like Christ's heart, you know, like Doesn't that it? he, I love that. Like he came for all people. Like he didn't come for people with status. Like he came for everyone. And the shepherds rush off to see what the Lord told of. And they get to go and see the baby and Mary and immediately go out and tell others about the child, which is so cool. That's a personal response right there. It is. They see and they have to tell. Um, So what are we to tell? A Savior has come, and he is Christ the Lord, Emmanuel, which means God with us. And this is the greatest news, the most joyful news that we will ever have to share with other people. And then we also get at Christ's birth, um, we get the perspective of the wise men, which were very influential kings. Um, They were kings themselves, and they spent time and money to come in person to worship the newborn king. And they bowed down before him and gave him gifts worthy of a king. So we have the shepherds, and we have the wise men. Yes. Which I love that, the and, contrast there. And they're awesome. celebrating. Yeah. They're worshiping. There's a humility. Worship is yeah. another way to celebrate as well. Mm-hmm. You know, I think every Sunday, I, you know, just lifting my heart up to God, I am I am celebrating mm-hmm. Christ. I'm celebrating the rich That I get to know truth. him. Yeah. 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 And I'm with God's people. And mm-hmm. it's every Sunday is a celebration as well. Mm-hmm. Well, another New Testament illustration is the story of Jesus when... Um, when Jesus is telling the the uh, parable of the prodigal son, or a lot of people refer to it now as the older brother, because there's really a powerful lesson in both of these sons. Luke 15 describes a, a, a son who takes off, takes his inheritance early, goes off, squanders it all, realizes that he did the wrong thing. He comes back to his father. His father was waiting for him and ran, embraced him. And uh, he, because the son returned, the father, he just was required in his heart to have a celebration. So they kill the fatted calf in order to have a feast. They dress this uh, returning son in fine clothes and invite people to come and celebrate him. There was music, there was dancing, but the older son was not happy. Mm -hmm. But the father explains to him, my son, you are always with me and everything I have is yours, but we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he was found. Mm. Wow. There's some real takeaways from this, isn't there? And Mm -hmm. about celebrating as well. This parable pictures all of us as the prodigal son and the father as God longing for us, pictures the celebration we will have now and in the new kingdom to come. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just that picture of how the angels rejoice when one believer turns from sin. Yeah. There's celebration. There's celebration. picture of like heaven that we will get to rejoice and worship God every single day forever. Right. Mm -hmm. And Revelation speaks of the wedding feast of the Lamb. When Christ sits down to celebrate with his bride, the church, Mm -hmm. there's rejoicing. There's rejoicing, celebration, feasting to mark the occasion. This is biblical. And meaningful. Meaningful. Like it's not just like a party. No. It's only a party if there's no Christ. Right. It's like a a woman planning her wedding Mm -hmm. and marrying some guy she doesn't know and even care about just so she could have a party. Yeah. Or, or going to a birthday party where the the birthday person is totally ignored and kicked out of the celebration. Yeah. It's so just, there's a void of meaning, like, and deep significance without yeah, Christ. Right. So a negative example of celebration, the Apostle Paul addresses in 1 Corinthians 11. 
the Corinthians were celebrating, quote, the Lord's Supper or communion in an unworthy manner. They had turned it into a time of gluttony and drunkenness. Mm. They were coming to that sacred celebration with unconfessed sin. And you know what? Neither do we want to celebrate the birth of Christ with these things. We don't want it to become a time of gluttony, of drunkenness, of sinning. That it just goes totally against any kind of biblical celebration that we're to be having. And it's a good call for us, like before we enter into this season of celebrating, like to to repent. <laughs> and that's why Advent can be powerful. I know mm-hmm. not everybody practices an Advent practice, but um, through the years, it does prepare our heart. Mm-hmm. And that's part of that repentance, part of that refocus on Christ to make sure that our Christmas celebrations are with the guest of honor We're present. Authentically yes, authentically. Mm-hmm. And then our fifth principle for biblical celebration is this. Biblical celebration also means giving to the Lord in personal sacrifice. Ooh, that's good. Yeah. For Mary, it was joy and trust in God's in God despite all those difficult circumstances she was going to have to face by bringing a child into the world, un, you know, pregnant and a young teen. And then for baby John the Baptist, it meant personal response. For the shepherds, it meant sharing the good news with others. For the wise men, it was giving their time, treasure, and their pride as they came to bow down to the baby king. Mm. To the father in the prodigal son parable, it meant welcoming back the the penitent uh, despite the great cost to himself. And to the rowdy at the Lord's table, it meant the personal sacrifice of self-control and sincere confession. Which begs the question, like, what, as you're listening, what does it mean for you? Exactly. Like, what do you need to lay down? Yeah. Like, especially coming into the season where we really want to celebrate Christ and we want to do it with right hearts and right motivations. Like, what do I need to lay down? Right. And, you know, I kind of had this private practice that I'm not going to be private anymore, but every year I wanted to give Christ a gift. Mm. I feel like you've said this. It's really sweet to tell yeah, and I just, it would just be between me and the Lord, and I would just take on a little extra work of some kind of speaking or any way I could to proclaim him. Mm-hmm. And that was, I would just look up to heaven and just say, that's for you. Mm-hmm. That's for you, my king. You know, I can't do enough. Yeah. It's it's just out of a desire of overwhelming, his overwhelming goodness to me. Uh, and I just want to recognize it um, when we celebrate his birth. Mm-hmm. So. I love that. That's really sweet. And I love just the personal and that it was just between you and the Lord. Like, that's really awesome. Well, there are many thoughts on what the celebration of Christmas is to look like. Some go to one extreme to say the most austere and crazy and others follow culture. Um, And some celebrate even though they deny Christ. But Uh, isn't that the truth, though? I mean, again, they we want to celebrate because people God made us want to celebrate yeah but if christ isn't in it it's you're gonna wake up monday morning and you're back to the grind it, it's done nothing to draw you closer to the lord mm. i love that the way that you're putting that right now like it does nothing to draw you closer to the lord like instead of thinking of christmas as like this really stressful straining experience to-do list <laughs> we should to, to-do list yeah we should be thinking of it of like this is going to draw me back in and refocus me with him. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Um, well, our intent today was not to tell you what to do, even exactly. though there's so many ideas, there's so many things you could do. 
Um, and we're, we're not also promoting that we're to judge one another with what we decide to do and our traditions and all of that. And there's freedom here to follow, um, your conscience and the Holy spirit. And we each have our own convictions and that's totally okay. Um, but we wanted to know the biblical principles for celebration. And so we thought that you would too. And now with these five principles, we can make informed decisions on what an authentic Christmas celebration should include. Yeah. It's Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, everyone.